0: Hello everybody. I don't know whether this is live yet to be honest. Normally about 15 seconds. Right, hello everybody. This is Enchanted Life Patch TV. Just, erm, um, what I'm going to do here is just a quick sound check and more of a exclusivity check on the sections of video that I've used here in this video that I'm editing, which is called a tale of we happy few in a brave new world of dread and pandemonium now it's gonna be a very hard-hitting video it's gonna be a very long one as well um i've well strictly speaking i've written me intro which is what you're gonna see now um this is like 1100 words long this intro but that's all I've got to with the writing. Because when I've written the intro, I've then thought, you know what? I'm going to go and do the voiceover from the intro and what have you now. So it takes ages to do it all in the air. But that's not even the one. But so I've made the voiceover um, there. And then, but that's only off the first intro. So you can see the intro. So you can see the amount of work that's going to have to go into this. This could potentially be um, about an hour. And a half long, and um, it may be my longest ever video already. Some um, like an hour, I have a few around about an hour mark, and um, they're very tedious. I probably won't move not till about Monday if it does go that long Um, to make this. But what this is, it's covering some difficult subject matters, it's covering a lot what we've been through in the past 18 months, the psychological warfare elements of it, um, and most notably the foreshadowing. Of leading into these events which we've lived through which we're going to be moving into as well ones which we still haven't sort of experienced yet um, and the foreshadowing elements of it run deep not only in our media but also movies, books, computer games so the basis of this this video what I'm editing here is, is based on Movies, books, video games and television shows. Four, predominantly four of them. And then the fifth little aspect is, uh, is going to be my pandemonium report from last year, the, the the video. So the four elements of this is, you know, you've got a little bit of a clue and a hint in the title, is a tale, which is a handmade tale of We Happy Few, which is the game We Happy Few, and the Brave New World, which is the television series, but most notably, I don't want to put it down as just a television series, it's most notably a book from Aldous Huxley, which is often overlooked when we speak about things like 1984. Um, I consider this, this topic of a Brave New World just as prevalent as 1984. Um, and... Then we've got Thread Judge Dredd, a lot of people will be surprised by me adding this element in maybe. But um, upon looking into the law, the L-O-R-E, not the L-A-W, the law of Judge Thread, the world that Judge Thread is set in, that means it becomes apparent that it's again a just a um, totalitarian regime ruling through fear and it's also very 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 uncanny to what we probably so what we're probably heading towards within agenda 30 2030 but it's probably where the world's gonna look and end up and be in that sort of situation come around about 2050 when you have a look at it and basically in Judge threads, it is a sustainable living um, environment people are all crammed into mega cities we've got judges riding around on bikes um, after what maybe the police have been defunded or something, the judges are out now taking the law into their hands and just blowing people's heads off for petty crimes etc. Um, people will then be shoveled up when they're dead, um, turns into soil and green and the show goes on. Them elements are in all, all of these sort of aspects that I've selected to talk about through the, throughout this video here, which is again handmade Tale. Brave New World, We Happy Few, and Judge thread. Then adding my Pandemonium report, which is the sort of the Messiah element of it, sort a little bit more spiritual side of it, but the heartbeat runs right through all of these aspects anyway. Um, so, just, what I've done, as I said, I've, at the moment I've done a voice um, you can see a lot of blanks here, Now, if we come to like here, you see Bill Backbetter. You see Boris Johnson, the Conservatives. All these blank sections here where there's nothing in them. That's where I've still got to fill it all in as I'm going along and editing. Um. So, damn the it, voice always the music and whatever. And all you haven't really got a see on of this right now. It's rare for me to do this. Just finish your video and then and then publish it. All right, but I get that. But at this moments in time i'm more concerned about what parts of this in this section here are going to be removed uh, or are going to give me some issues because i've used quite a lot of content from um hulu who who own the rights to handmaid's sale etc so this is just a little bit of a charm test um, and a copyright test i don't really bother about the copyright but it's getting blocked in different countries that i'm interested in here and also, um, just a little chance for you to see what I'm going to be working on because this is going to take, I'm not saying a long time, just a short while, a few days or something like that. It's be quite a long one. Um, I've got no intentions of going to bed in the next few hours anyway. I'm going to be cracking on with this. Um, but I'm going to play this now anyway. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to play it. Just check all my mics are on. Yes. Mics working. Desktop's working. Everything's on. So I'll just play this for you now. Don't need to play that initial intro. So I'm just going to take it from here. Um, I'm going to knock the mic off. I'm going to smoke a big rosin joint while I'm sitting here with a cup of tea and you watch all of this. And anyone's like, "What he just said? A what? A what joint? Go and look into it. Get yourself a set of air straightness. Get your money's worth. <laughs> this is enchanted life, Pat TV. Thanks for watching. I'm going to mute the mic and see you soon. Foreshadowing is a phenomenon that appears to show future predicaments through means of entertainment such as television shows, movies, books, computer games and the music industry. The human mind has been studied by mad scientists for generations, most notably since the end of World War II when Operation Paperclip was launched by the US government. I have often said that this is when World War 3 began. It was not to be fought with weapons and bombs. It was not to be nations against nations. This war is the war on humanity and the weapons of choice aside weapons hence the term silent weapons for secret wars Mind control, suggestion and persuasion were the key factors for the research into the new technologies that would help to implement a controlled society. Under a form of hypnosis, triggered with methods that were learned during the study of psychology. When a person is under hypnosis, they are more easily led. Choices they make will not necessarily be their own. They will agree with an agenda because they are open to suggestions by alpha waves that are triggered in the brain. This is the same state as when a person is in a light state. In this state, verbal suggestions can be made to us that will pass through the cortex to the midbrain, brainstem and autonomic nervous system. These triggers can be repeated frequently until the suggestions create new feelings within us that can be activated with keywords or triggers such as phrases, logos and symbols. Think of the NHS-based propaganda that we have seen in the UK when we face daily broadcasts from the government and members of SAGE who repeatedly told us to stay at home, save lives and as if we can forget the repetition of build back better from the world economic forum and their puppets. These are known as post hypnotic commands, this is where the television comes into play and now in more modern days, phones, tablets, laptops and many other smart devices. Watching television also activates alpha waves in the brain which as we now know places us in the hypnotic trances. I personally stopped watching most television in 2011. I have notice this trans like state more when I go to my friends and they have kids TV on. As soon as I look at the screen, I feel a trance fall over me and I lock onto the stupid mindless entertainment that is being displayed. It does not last long with me before I snap out of it because I am able to spot the shift within my senses as I don't watch much TV and never watch kids TV as I don't have children. The state that the television places us in is one where we are now open to suggestions. This ability to tune in to the person who is tuning into the show has been weaponised. This is dangerous. Let me explain why. There have been studies that show watching TV switches the brain from beta waves to alpha, as stated earlier. This is a trance-like state, a feeling most associated with daydreaming, one where critical thinking skills are reduced. When we are under a television-induced trance, quotes, terms, logos, phrases, and ideologies from mainstream media by the entertainment industry all bypass our critical thinking so we do not question what we are seeing or hearing as much as we would if we were fully alert or in beta status of brainwave. Now look at how politicians manipulate this by making suggestions. We also see it in movies, adverts and songs which are all repeated until they are installed in our psyche and over time we are turned into mental puppets of the state sponsored propaganda we have been subjected to via these covert means. The public's view of the world is then based on this mindless programming responses are pre-programmed by the show they have been watching people no longer think for themselves no matter how much they think they do they are more easily led choices they make will not necessarily be their own people are not unique anymore and this is why we have a society that has fell to its knees during COVID-19 whilst out of such dictators such as Boris Johnson continue to talk as if we are living in a warped reality that does not line up to actual real life we live in time Irony brought into fruition through disturbing forms of deception and suggestion. They knew this anyway. They knew once they could master the minds, they could master the populace. They could control society, opinion, behaviour, voting patterns, fashions, places we go, even the foods we eat. They knew if they could install a mindset then people would react in a certain way that would help the said system to work. This is behavioural science, a term we have seen connected to the UK government via SAGE, George in the last 18 months. The UK government website shows meetings and discussions between SAGE advisories and high ranking members of parliament who developed a plan to use sinister mind control methods on the public in order to scare them into cooperating with the rules and regulations that were put in place at the start of 2020. In Aldous Huxley's A Brave New World the people have their privileges rights and freedoms taken away from them but they love their servitude this is just like the term you will own nothing and be happy that was muttered by Klaus Schwab, the leader of the World Economic Forum, recently. During this Enchanted Life Path presentation, we will learn the powers of persuasion via a set of terrifying television shows, books, films and computer games that arguably told the story of what we are living through today and where it could lead to in the very near future. Each aspect has elements that include medical tyranny, forced vaccinations, regulated feelings in a controlled society that is shaped by a sustained lifestyle designed to withdraw people's uniqueness, quarantines, media-based propaganda, ritualistic torture and abuse, as well as severe social engineering. The factors I will be covering are Margaret Atwood's A Handmade Tale, the computer game that I have covered before called We Happy Few, another book with totalitarian world settings, the often overlooked by many in the two community because of 1984, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. I will also be taking a look into how The world of Judge Dredd mirrors what we may expect to see in around 2050 when Agenda 2030 has been brought into full swing. With people crammed into megacities that no longer have defunded police but are governed by judges who ride around on motorbikes blowing people's heads off for petty crimes. Finally, I will tie it all into my pandemonium reports and where that takes us as we head into an uncertain future. This is why we are living in a tale of we happy few in a brave new world of dread and pandemonium. Yeah
1: No. Oh, secure. Sky. Secure.
0: But yeah, that evil scene was from A Handmaid's Tale, which we'll be paying a lot of attention to. Who can remember We Happy Few? I think that's the best one of all. Very good.
1: (laughs) Truth is the enemy of happiness. Isn't that the decision we all made?
0: Oh, but you know the truth, don't you? There's not a thing I can tell you that you don't already know, is there?
1: Have you had your joy, Ollie? People in town are getting a tad bit skinny. I think they're starving to death. And they're painting the streets in fucking rainbows. Have you not noticed?
0: Oh, Ollie. Why are you all wearing those ridiculous new masks? You should get one. They shape your face into a smile. And
1: when you smile, you can't help being happy. Have to tell people. They need to know the truth. No, it's better not to know. Oh. Wiky, everyone. and it's another fabulous day in Wellington. Europe. Do what you should be doing, and
0: you never have to worry, Arthur, we're practically the only two people in this entire city not stoned out of our minds on joy. It's not. It's a lovely day for it! It's a fucking terrible day for it! If you force people to
1: have the emotions you want, then you turn them into robots made out of meat! Where is it? Where's the blackberry? You've gone too far this time! People won't face facts. Not until we take their joy. Do that, they'll murder each other in the street.
0: What a lovely tea party! Next, we're going to head over to a brave new world. This is New London.
1: Everyone's happy. here. Yeah. Everyone has a place. There's no hunger, no violence.
0: There's no pain there, John. Everyone fits. I've always wanted that for you. This is your home now.
1: You just need to embrace this place and let it be wonderful. Hey. All you have to do... to you, everyone else you're never alone here everyone's connected
0: you know I've been watching you people
1: but this place is so perfect why is it upside down there's a disruption
0: I just can't seem to get back to myself a virus enters a cell turning the body against itself we need to stop this before this
1: goes too far beginning of something, something necessary. If you're not happy or nothing at all,
0: so that's where we're up to so far and when we come and have a look maybe at some of the aspects and all the elements of that video that we're talking about first one was A handmade Tale where we seen with the hanging scene very disturbing a few people have told me about that over the months and I decided to try and watch it um, last week watched like the first season that scene what you just seen then in this video was the um, was the f- first episode of season 2 now I turned it off on that scene because basically what I like to do when I watch these television shows I'll go into YouTube and watch a load of videos um, about the the the, the programme that I'm watching so if we, for instance if we come here and then type in Gilead which is the, the place where the setting where a handmade tale happens. Right. So There's a good chance I may even sit here. And watch all of this video. Now just so you've got an idea of that. Element. What basically happens in it. There's a. Birth reduction crisis. Which is then. Capitalised on. By elites. Elite religious sectors. Who perform a coup. On America. Taking over it. And because of the birth. Reduction birth rate reduction. All these women in red that you can see—they're the only, they're the women who is who are deemed like fertile, so they're called handmaids. They're all basically tortured, ritually raped every month, and then impregnated. When they have the baby, they pass it over to the elite rulers and leaders. A lot of it's color coded, which I'm going to explain in my video you see her here in this sort of brown, beige, khaki thing. She's like the Nazi figure. She's like the nun. She's brutal to all the women in red that you see. The handmaids, who you can see in here. Just let me just come into this. Now, the reason why I'm speaking about this, obviously, is because they've got a crisis which leads into the coup, which then leads into the totalitarian Establishment which is basically torture based now the scary elements of this program Which is an adaptation of Margaret Atwood's a handmaid's tale the book hard to discover new audience. Sorry the scary thing about this Is the fact that every single Thing you see in it has either happens in history It could happen in the future or it is happening currently day. It was absolutely terrifying, like I said I'm not squeamish, well I am, <laughs> but I couldn't watch any more of this programme, so I went and started studying it through all of these type of programmes, just these little YouTube videos, so I got a full understanding of what was going on within the show, which is how I can now come back and report to you and just tie it into things and just say yeah look what's actually going on what are we facing and again we've got the elements of foreshadowing which is obviously things coming out in books television shows movies um, music videos etc songs which foreshadow future events we've got many cases of that we've seen The Simpsons back to the future all showing as a certain date in September uh, which happens on the 11th one day back in 2001 um, so We've got these little elements, The Simpsons is always foreshadowing things, Donald Trump coming in, etc. That's what I mean by foreshadowing, that's what we mean by predictive programming. When we're showing you these things, and I don't just take it all on board that this is just all like me. When I say we, when every single person like me is showing you these things, and then we can back them up and explain them how, how, how well I can explain them and show them and then go and refer back to to the past and show you things like oh, well this has happened now and there, there you go there it was in there so that's foreshadowing which is why it then makes little things like this a brave new world we happy few very scary very scary indeed so the cube comes around in this the medical uh, sorry uh, Yeah, I'd I'd say it's a little bit of a medical and a humanitarian crisis, the fact that there's birth rate reductions going down. But what elements of what we're living through now... Could result in birth rate reductions going on. We've got women walking around already with menstrual problems. And look at the colour of these here. The colour here, red, does actually signify the menstrual cycle of the women. To show, to signify that these are actually active. These can have babies in a world where the birth rate reductions have fallen. They don't understand why, but they think it could be pollution which again ties back into the climate change agendas and all that sort of shit to build back better stuff so then after um after sort of them little elements we've then got an underlying heartbeat all the way through this of horrible 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 ritualistic torture and abuse and like i said rape um That's another element which can be dragged into what could happen if we live in a world where it's under sort of, um, where if like the Messiah comes, where the Christians and the the Jews all think that the Messiah's going to come back and everyone's going to return back to um, human daily sacrifices, etc. So that's a very, very, very dark world where a lot of people in this world with a lot of money and a lot of power and a lot of influence would like to see that type of thing um, inflicted on the world again. Do you think it's biblical? Do you think it's destiny? When we look at then a brave new world and compare it to we happy few, which is what I'm going to do in this video, in a brave new world, we see elements where it's medical tyranny, scientific tyranny, there's no government left in we ha- in um, a brave new world, it's all run by medical science, okay people are susceptible to severe brainwashing in from that, from even when the babies they do sleep training with them, they'll keep telling them things about themselves, now people are put into classes, alphas betas, um, alpha, betas gammas, goes up like that, now the higher that you are the the more higher you are in, in, in standing, obviously, um, the echelons at the very bottom, they're just like sweeping the floor all the time, the alphas and the alpha pluses and what have you, they've all got run of the mill over everyone, but the thing is, it's, uh, I think the words magnanimous, where there's no love, no one no one loves each other, Every, where you see the person before saying everyone belongs to each other, what that is, that's just, everyone just has sex with everyone, basically orgies, which then sort of reminds me of Roman days, going back to like how they used to live in Rome, etc. Um, so, again, that's very Alistair crowley too, as thou wilt, if you, if you look at it like that, not just people just having like orgies and everything, but what all that serves for is, is a distraction they do all this, they give these people these mindless entertainments as a distraction away from what's really going on that's a big heartbeat that runs right the way through a brave new world, it is run in dystopia Um, people have, as I said earlier in the introduction people have got all of their rights, privileges and everything removed but they're all happy in it, they're all brainwashed from birth through sleep training etc that they are actually happy they all, and not only that, they then go, they've got a holiday destination, they're all in a place called New London, they've got a holiday destination wh- which they call the Savage Lands, which is when they basically go over to America, um, and it's a holiday resort and it's just where normal people like ourselves live, and these people who are all brainwashed go there on their holidays, can't believe the action they find, they're all disgusting, they find their relationship, they find motherhood, fatherhood, parenthood, love, love, all of these elements of our life, they find them all disgusting, mind-boggling, baffled by the by the suggestion of it all. So they come here like it's some sort of freak show on holiday. Um, one of the lead characters in that ends up going back um, to, to, the, to New London, the man that you're seeing in it, John, um, because his mother was in a relationship with one of the commanders from that place, blah, 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 long story short. But what happens is he, he causes a revolution in there and all the lower class... And he just makes everyone realise what's going on basically. And yeah, so he's sort of like the, the Neo in that matrix when he arrived there. The people in A Brave New World are all regulated emotionally by a drug called Soma. Now, that's very uncanny, very similar to what we see in uh, We Happy Few. With the drug that regulates everyone's emotions in that called Joy. Now, in We Happy Few we see medical quarantines, we see doctors, we see forced vaccinations, the doctors have all got roses on the chest which is like the prosecutions, <coughs> so we've got these little Freemasonic elements through all of these things What I'm talking about and what I'm going to be showing in the video and the article when I get going on it properly, you've just seen a little intro, a little breakdown of the intro etc, but as I said it's going to be about 15, 16, 17, 20 times longer than that, Um <coughs> so... Then, as mentioned before, we've got the huge Thread elements, um, which again, we start going into all sorts of stuff like that, Agenda 2030, Agenda 2050, soil and Green, um, Defund the Police, and even more totalitarianism, quite scary, <coughs> so this is, <coughs> sorry, this is um, going to be I'm going to have to put a lot of attention to detail into all of this, um, refer back to a lot of things, show a lot of things in current day, show a lot of symbolism etc, so it is going to be a very long one, like I said, it's going to take a while to do it all, to write it all, to do to, to the voiceovers etc, so anyway let's just go back now a moment to Gilead, you can see this is on for like 23, 20, 24 minutes this one, probably gonna watch it all or may even just jump in and pause it in little parts as well um, may switch the mic off for the first five minutes and then turn the mic on and just come and start interacting with the video a little bit the person who's made this video just for the record before he even play it is a channel called the, Altern- the Alternate Historian so I would like to thank The Alternate Historian for this I am using this here for educational purposes but the fact that this patients put this together for me and gave me an understanding of what was going on in that program, that I couldn't watch any more of it, I literally couldn't watch any more of it, um, found it very, very, very horrible. Um, just within the way I you know that the world works as well. So I'm going to watch this now and then we'll finish there with the spoilers for what's coming in my video, which you've just seen a little bit of the intro for. So, yeah, this is Enchanted Life Pat TV. Thanks for watching. I'll be back on the mic again in a couple of moments.
1: One might imagine Oceania from 1984 or the world's... When you think of fictional authoritarian states, one might imagine Oceania from 1984, or the World State from Brave New World. But one nation that is on everyone's minds lately, thanks to its recent adaptation, is the Republic of Gilead, from Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. But as frightening as Gilead is, can we say with any certainty that it is plausible? Hello everyone, I'm Matt Mitrich, the alternate historian. To mark the beginning of a new season of Hulu's adaptation of The Handmaid's Tale, I'm going to be taking a closer look at Gilead and see just how solid its foundation really is. First, a primer on what is Gilead, and I'll be focusing more on the TV version, but with that said, the Republic of Gilead is a militant Christian theocracy with rigidly defined gender and class roles. It came to be as a response to a global infertility crisis that could see all of humanity dying out in just a few generations. Thus, women, especially fertile ones, have been stripped of their rights and are treated as a national resource to be doled out to those Gilead considers worthy. Our protagonist, June, is a handmaid in Gilead. It is primarily through her point of view that we learn about this nightmare version of America. You see, Gilead claims to be successor to the United States of America, and it controls most of the continental US. We know from two maps released by Hulu, one of which I did a whole video on, that Gilead proper is situated in the northeast and midwest of America, but Gilead does occupy the southern and western parts of the country, as either military districts or colonies, which are ecologically destroyed regions that Gilead haphazardly tries to repair. Rebels, which are either loyal to an America in exile based out of Anchorage, Alaska, or are else otherwise independent, still control parts of America, especially along the West and Gulf Coast, along the border of Canada, and a shrinking enclave around Chicago. Also, for you Fallout fans out there, doesn't the shape of the districts look a lot like the 13 commonwealths of the United States of America? Check it out, it's weird. We don't know too much about how Gilead's government is structured. We know the U.S. Constitution has been suspended and the states have been abolished, but Washington, D.C. is still the capital, perhaps to defend Gilead's claim as a successor to America. We do, however, see that local councils handle the day-to-day decision-making of the districts, or at least local towns, so it's safe to assume there is a national council operating out of D.C. Most of Gilead's laws are based on their interpretation of the Christian Bible. Although, to be fair, calling Gilead Christians the same as calling ISIS Muslim. The similarities are there, but it's an insult to say they accurately represent either of their respective religions. For example, you know a word I don't remember hearing said from the true believers of Gilead? Jesus. Which is an odd word for a Christian theocracy to fall out of use in saying. I don't know, maybe I'm mistaken, but let me know if anyone else noticed that discrepancy. Anywho, as you can imagine, Gilead outlaws things like abortion, contraception, premarital sex, adultery, and homosexuality, which can be punished by torture, maiming, or execution. In fact, a lower-class citizen breaking any law usually ends in their death. Also, there is no freedom of religion. You either drink the Kool-Aid, or you go up against the wall. This applies even to other Christian faiths, and we do see in the series that Gilead is destroying Christian churches. It's not entirely clear what happened to non-Christians in Gilead, although I assume being an atheist is frowned upon. We do however see one character who is secretly a Muslim that is later executed. As for Jewish Americans, I don't think we learned of any specific Gilead policy toward them, but given that we saw a female rabbi in the counties, I think it's fair to say that they face the usual convert or die ultimatum from Gilead. Just think of Gilead as American puritanism at its most extreme. As mentioned before, Gilead has rigidly defined gender and classrooms, each of which have different names and uniforms. Gilead is a de jure, patriarchal society where men hold all the power, although some men are more powerful than others. As for women, by law they are blamed for the global infertility crisis, which justifies Gilead treating them as state-regulated property of their husbands or fathers. Most women are not allowed to read, which Gilead takes so seriously they have removed words from storefront street signs, etc. Additionally, women are expected to get married and become sexually active as soon as they can. In practice, this means that the state will assign underage girls, usually from the lowest classes, to the men that they choose, living out the dark fantasies of incels and eugenicists alike. Sadly, this legal inequality between the sexes and Gilead is not completely implausible. As Nicola Health pointed out in her 2018 article on SBS.com, many nations today treat women as second-class citizens. For example, Yemen and Saudi Arabia are patriarchal societies where women have few, if any, rights. Meanwhile, nations like El Salvador highly regulate pregnancy, and women who attempt to get abortions or suffer a miscarriage could face decades in prison. Anyway, the rulers of Gilead are the commanders, who are known for their black suits. They chair the consuls, pass the laws, lead the military, carry out religious rituals, and do all the other tasks that keep Gilead running smoothly. There appears to be a hierarchy among the commanders, as some hold common military ranks, like colonel, or ranks such as field commander or high commander. This gives Gilead the feel of a military dictatorship, and perhaps is evidence that the old US military had a hand in creating Gilead. The commander's partners are the wives, who wear blue dresses and enjoy their husband's high standard of living. Many wives, like the character Serena Joy, also helped create Gilead. However, in a case of reaping what you sow, they now find themselves in society where they lack the most basic freedoms. Even their position does not protect them from punishment, as wives who try to read or have an affair can lose a finger or be exiled to the colonies. Under the Commanders are the Guardians of the Faith, or simply Guardians, who act as a combination of Gilead's police and military, and are usually dressed in black military gear. They also act as bodyguards and servants of the Commanders. Being a Guardian does come with some perks, as Loyal Soldiers of Gilead can be awarded wise assigned by the State. There are also the Eyes of God, or just the Eyes, who are Gilead's secret police, because every dictatorship needs their Gestapo. They appear to exist outside the hierarchy as their members seem to come from all classes and genders, and are simply there to spy on and terrorize the population to keep them in line. Then we have the brown-clothed ants, who enforce Gilead's rules for women. For their work, they are allowed to read and seem to have some power as they can command guardians. They appeared to be unmarried, infertile women who supported Gilead's rise and were thus rewarded by being given positions of power that, in practice, makes them more influential than the wise, despite tactically being a lower social clash under the law. The ants are primarily responsible for the handmaids, fertile women who have run afoul of Gilead law, so they are punished by being ritualistically raped once a month by a commander until they become pregnant, only to be passed off to another commander when the baby is born. They are known for their red robes and white blinders that hide their face. Out of all the female classes in Gilead, theirs is the most regulated, but also the most valuable in the eyes of a state obsessed with reversing declining birth rates. This will protect handmaids who break the law from execution, but does not stop them from being punished and genital mutilation can happen to handmaids who don't conform to their expected behavior. Then there are the Elcano people, the men and women who make up the working class of Gilead and are probably what the vast majority of former Americans are lumped into. Nevertheless, they have few freedoms and are kept in line through a combination of state terror and propaganda. Fertile econo women have to walk a particularly dangerous road, as one wrong move can see them being marked as ungodly and thus taken away to be a handmaid. Nevertheless, the econo people may have some social mobility, as one would assume the men fill the ranks of the guardians and thus could rise in rank to become a commander. Below them are green-dressed. Headscarf wearing marthas, who are usually older, infertile women who often serve the commanders and their wives in their homes. Despite technically being slaves, they do appear to have some freedom of movement at least, which can allow them to maintain a network of communication and smuggling among their class. There are also Jezebels or prostitutes. They aren't an official class of Gilead, as commanders tend to keep them secret from everyone, especially the wives, but they are used to entertain commanders and foreign guests they are trying to woo because hey even Puritans have orgies. Finally we have the unwoman. For their crimes they are used as slave labor in the counties rather than being executed. Nevertheless, execution might be more merciful as working in the counties is hard and disease is rampant. So an unwoman's life expectancy is rather short. Surprisingly there aren't many male slaves in Gilead and most men who commit a crime that would get a woman sent to the counties aren't said executed. Not sure why But my theory is that because Gilead's ideology is basically male supremacy, they can't be slaves as that is a role reserved only for women. But because women, especially fertile ones, are in short supply, the commanders are more willing to execute men in order to have less competition over this valuable commodity. Sort of like an extreme version of how fundamentalist Mormon communities will exile young men so there is less competition over wives. So that is Gilead in a nutshell, but how did America get to this point in The Hammaid's Tale? Well, The Handmaid's Tale is set in the near future of a timeline similar to our own. Hell, at one point we even hear Oprah speaking on the radio as the voice of the American resistance. The major difference is that this world is dealing with an infertility crisis that has seen birth rates drop to the point where the continued existence of the human race is in jeopardy. It's not clear what is causing it, although pollution, radiation, and climate change have been thrown around. Even who is impacted by it is debated. As mentioned before, Gilead blames women for the crisis, but scientists in the rump America have theorized that men are the ones becoming infertile, which, if true, would completely undermine Gilead's very reason for existence. I should also point out that humanity dying of old age means you can classify The Handmaid's Tale as apocalyptic fiction, in the same vein of Children of Men. Sure, humanity's end is not as flashy as Death by Asteroid or Robot Uprising, but you still see people act like it's the end of the world, and that will make people desperate for any kind of solution. This will ultimately motivate people in The Handmaid's Tale world to take serious risks and do horrible things, all because the alternative to them is the death of humanity. Anywho, pre-Gilead, the infertility crisis was used to justify the curtailment of women's freedoms in America. For example, we've seen the show that married women needed their husbands to sign off on birth control. Additionally, harsher rules are imposed regarding the care of children, which makes things difficult for working and or single mothers, which seems to encourage women to stay home and pop out kids without going as far as ordering them to do that. Meanwhile, the mass existential crisis humanity was experiencing led to a religious revival in America, which saw the rise of the Sons of Jacob. At a surface level, they seem like any other modern-day conservative, quasi-Christian group, demanding a return to their imagined traditional values. The Sons of Jacob, however, are much better funded, organized, and, due to the looming apocalypse, have a lot of members across the country. We also see that they have members who hold high ranks in the federal government. Nevertheless, as the crisis continued, the Sons of Jacob became increasingly radicalized and violent, culminating in the President's Day Massacre, where the President, the entire line of succession, all members of Congress, and Supreme Court are killed by them, but they blame it on Islamic terrorists. Afterwards, a new provisional government made up of civil servants, some of who are allied with the Sons of Jacob, take over. First off. How convenient every leader in the federal government was in the same place at the same time for this decapitation strike to work. Second, for the Sons of Jacob to succeed in seizing control, their infiltration of the federal bureaucracy, military, intelligence community, etc. would have to be near complete, and yet no one got elected to public office? There are Congress members today who think a baby-eating, satanic cult controls the world, and you're telling me not one member of the Sons of Jacob got elected to high office? Really? Come on. And yet, while it seems implausible, I can't dismiss it completely because, unfortunately, we in America live in a post-capital insurrection world. The people who attempted to overturn the results of the 2020 election were just alt-right trolls. They were lawyers, CEOs, civil servants, cops, active-duty soldiers, or veterans. Many were middle or upper-middle class or had access to resources most Americans don't have. Hell, one rider flew to D.C. on a freaking private jet! So just imagine if those traders were as organized and funded like the Sons of Jacob. So if you asked me before January 6, 2021, whether the Sons of Jacob's coup was plausible, I would probably say no, but ask me that now, I think it's plausible enough that it's really scary. Okay, let's get back to the fake America and its problems. Shortly after the coup, the new government declares martial law, and you start seeing the precursors of the Guardians appear on American streets. Women's rights, which were already on a shaky foundation to begin with, are soon stripped completely away. Women are prevented from working or even holding wealth, and since so much of people's finances are digitized, the government is easily able to deny women access to their own bank accounts. There are protests against the new regime, but these are violently put down. Presumably this crackdown led to the Civil War that the Handmaid's Tale refers to, one where America is almost completely driven off the continental United States while the provisional government evolves into the infamous Gilead. While there is a lot of yada yadaing about the Civil War, to be fair, The Handmaid's Tale isn't military SF. It's a dystopia where women are treated as breeding stock. That being said, that doesn't mean we can't speculate on what this Civil War would be like. It's important to point out this second American Civil War would not be anything like the first one when the slavers rebelled. It's doubtful that the infertility crisis will have clearly defined regional sides, like how the first Civil War had the free and slave states. Ideology will determine which side your average person is on pro or anti-Gilead will divide entire communities or even families. The American military itself would be divided. Looking back at this map of Gilead, we can assume the Anchorage-based America and the rebel-controlled West Coast could not exist without the Pacific Fleet being on the rump US side. Nevertheless, given how the original government was able to enforce martial law and ultimately conquer the continental U.S., it would appear that much of the army and the various national guards were allied to the Sons of Jacob. As for the other branches, I'm not so sure, but given how influential evangelical Christians are among the Air Force, we can proudly assume they sided with the Sons of Jacob, and it's anyone's guess what would happen to the thousands of American soldiers stationed overseas. We can also assume there would be private militias that would either allied themselves with America or Gilead, or even just become another faction in the Civil War. The Southern Baptist rebels mentioned in the novel might not take orders from Anchorage, and may be like Rojava in our timeline Syrian Civil War. And much like that war, the second American Civil War is going to be a bloody fight. We could see all the horrors of modern warfare, such as tank battles across the Midwest and drone strikes on American cities. More low-tech militias would rely on IEDs, car bombs, and even suicide bombers. We may even see the use of chemical and biological weapons, or even nuclear weapons, as one of the Gilead maps does suggest at least one was used in California, although I'm not sure who was responsible for that. Presumably, America's infrastructure would be completely destroyed by the fighting, which would mean food and fuel could not reach the cities, forcing people to abandon them. The dikes around New Orleans could be destroyed by Gilead after they were denied the city, flooding the port. The Hoover Dam may also have been destroyed, which could have devastated the entire American Southwest. In fact, one wonders if the counties were created in part because of a scorched earth policy enacted by American forces as they were driven west by Gilead. Thinking about this makes me wonder if the refugees we see in Canada are downplayed. A fight on the scale the show suggests would create a refugee crisis even worse than the one created by our timeline, Syrian Civil War. Non-Americans would be the first to flee the country, likely right after the coup as they would not want to take their chances under the new regime. Once the Civil War erupts, however, the number of people crossing the border would only increase as Americans flee the fighting and societal breakdown. Canada and Mexico would take most of the refugees as they are the only ones who share a land border with America, but you may see Americans along the Gulf Coast make for the Caribbean nations on whatever boats they can find. The Anchorage government may also try to evacuate as many people as they could to Alaska, Hawaii, or other regions they controlled, but they would probably prioritize the families of soldiers and people who could help with the war effort also this would be a civil war that would have massive ramifications for the rest of the world I mean the American economy is the largest in the world and it will now be cut off from the global economy meanwhile the US dollar would lose a lot of value which is bad once you consider it is the world's primary reserve currency is the official currency in several countries and a de facto currency in many others and it is used in most international transactions furthermore major industries like computers or pharmaceuticals would suffer after losing one of their leading nations countries across the world many of them large economies in their own rights would see their economies collapse with the loss of their largest trading partner this could help explain in part however why the rest of the world sat out the war Since the infertility crisis is a global phenomenon, nations across the world would be too busy dealing with their own eternal problems to effectively intervene in America. Plus, I'm sure there were some out there who were either sympathetic with Gilead's goals or else just wanted to knock America down a peg and thought they could ride out any economic pains that would cause. Plus, a civil war where both sides have access to weapons of mass destruction means that it's very easy to get caught in the crossfire when one side gets desperate. Thus, the rest of the world could only contain the catastrophe as best as it could, and as the series has shown us, this appears to be limited to economic sanctions on Gilead and troops in Canada to discourage any aggression. So, Gilead announced to build a new country full of war-torn cities, irradiated waste, and an active insurgency, all while a global infertility crisis is happening. But how can they? Well, to answer that question, we need to talk about Gilead's economy. Because ideology, propaganda, and death threats can only motivate people for so long. No one is going to take orders from you forever if they can't feed or house themselves or their families. So... Let's first talk about what we know about Gilead's economy. Besides the economen, it appears to rely partly on slave labor from the Marthas and to a lesser extent the unwomen who try to clean up the colonies. In addition, we can assume Gilead does not have a large pool of skilled labor, as many probably fled the country, were deliberately killed by Gilead for not fitting into their new world order, or else were women and thus were deliberately denied access to the workforce. Gilead also lacks many of the modern conveniences that we take for granted, like computers or cell phones, or common goods like coffee or oranges, even among the commanders in their households. We also don't see many examples of private ownership, or for that matter, even money, at least in the way we understand it. For example, we see handmaids go to the grocery store with tokens they exchange for goods. Perhaps Gilead is experiencing rationing, or this is a deliberate policy imposed by the state. So I think it's safe to say that Gilead doesn't have a capitalist economy. But what does it have? Is it something new, or is it something older? For that, we need to talk about Commander Lawrence, who is probably one of the more interesting characters in The Handmaid's Tale, at least from a world-building perspective. He is credited with building Gilead's economy, but what that means we haven't been told, except that he is responsible for creating the colonies. However, in one scene, June, currently assigned to Lawrence as a handmaid, is asked by him to get a book, and we see several books on the shelf written by him. One of which criticizes populism, another that praises religion and economics, and another which suggests bringing back mercantilism. So first, what is mercantilism? Well, Eric Reed, while writing for The Street in 2018, called mercantilism an economic philosophy built around exports and trade. A mercantilist economy tries to increase its wealth by maximizing exports and minimizing imports. This is based on the mercantilist belief that exports make an economy richer because they bring money into the economy, while any imports take money out of it. Mercantilist nations would thus set up high tariffs to keep imports out, which discourages potential trading partners, which is probably why mercantilist nations, especially European nations during the height of colonialism, relied on their military to force weaker nations into this position. So perhaps Gilead is a mercantilist economy managed by a theocracy that puts high tariffs on foreign goods, while heavily regulating their own economy. We can probably assume there are several government-sanctioned monopolies that handle producing the goods Gilead's population needs, which may explain the absence of private businesses. Here's the problem, however. It's hard to have a mercantilist economy if absolutely no one wants to take your exports. As we know, the UN, which I assume doesn't continue to operate out of New York City in this timeline, has put economic sanctions on Gilead, and no nation officially recognizes them. While we can assume some trade happens through smuggling and other shadier means, we see from the series that Gilead is struggling to work out trade deals with Mexico and Canada, countries that were some of America's largest trading partners. So how is Gilead affording to maintain even their shrunken economy, along with waging an ongoing civil war? Well, Gillian may just be taking whatever they can scavenge from the rebel areas they conquer or whatever resources they can extract from the colonies. Sort of like how Indy Neidell described in his Between Two Wars and World War II in Real Time series on how Nazi Germany's pre-war economy grew through overspending, but would ultimately need the resources to sustain itself that could only be won through conquest, hence why a war that saw much of Europe looted to maintain the German economy was inevitable. Furthermore, this system really only benefited the Nazi elite, who hoarded any wealth gained from the plunder of Europe and what they stole from the people they persecuted, which is pretty much what the commanders of Gilead are doing. They enjoy mansions, the best quality food and drink available, and brothels where all manner of flesh is theirs for the taking. Any wealth that makes it to the econo people or other classes is either scraps or redistribution of wealth from the people Gilead is persecuting. It's American fascism, pure and simple. That's what Gilead is. It's a fascist state. We can call it a theocracy, we can wrap it up in as many crosses as you want, but they're just Nazis. And if it seems Gilead is destined to fail with a structure like that, well it will, and not just because the epilogue of the novel makes it clear Gilead will fall. It'll fail because we have seen Gilead before. We have seen evil, power-hungry people use fear lies and violence to seize power. The men and women behind Gilead used the infertility crisis to preach their apocalyptic vision that only they could prevent. But either they were deluded zealots or criminals who only wanted to seize as much power and wealth as they could before the end. Sure, Gilead might not be the most believable dystopia, but Margaret Atwood didn't set out to write some plausible alternate history or create a vast lore. She set out to tell a story that felt like it could happen here. And for the most part, the novel and the TV series accomplishes that which is a warning I think we should all heed well that's off the same subject if you enjoy what I do please like comment subscribe share this video support me on patreon
0: okay so I did play the full video day because again I just wanted to go into detail um just within this live stream here because I've got flexibility to be able to do so. So you've got an understanding of what was going on there. Now we didn't look going into the torture side of it all too much. It's very violent, very graphic that program, the women are absolutely brutalised. Um it's disgusting. Just the whole the the sort of the heartbeat, the tone of it all. Um the colours just dark, it's murky, um yeah, it was just just wearing a wearing a very nice watch, just not not easy to watch, uncomfortable. So when we look at the little sort of elements there, you you, you read some key little aspects, which was such as there was a a, a birth race crisis, which was then jumped on the back on. Of again, I just think it's all similar to what's happening now. I'm not saying that everyone we're going to be shoved into Gilead. Um, but uh, as as they've just said, there it's possible. It is all possible. So again, there's other videos about it. If we just come and look, um, where people are explaining what if the Handmaid's sale actually happened, or you've got there's one from a uh, there's this one this just goes all of these. are goes the cult of Gilead. All of these. are all very explan- explanatory into what goes on within it and again but they also hit on the fact that everything in it happens or has happened Um, and that's what's so nuts about it and i don't feel like we are at the moment the society that we're living in the way people have been sort of manipulated brainwashed turned against each other this isn't far away this isn't far away at all now the reason why i've done this report a tale of which the tail wears is obviously the little Easter eggs awards handmade tail. We Happy Few in a Brave New World of of thread is because all of them factors, the we the Brave New World, We Happy Few in thread I've been wanting to cover them for months to write it in, but the way I wanted to work them all into each other, it's quite technical for me to do, especially on the essay and writing them you know what I'm like with writing my articles, it's gonna end up a massive one. But Obviously, after waiting so long to do it, now I've seen this other other side of it, me report, this Gilead, elements of it, it it all makes more sense now, so it's like time for me to do it. So it's been right to hold back on doing this one until now, because in here and on the article, I can go into so much more detail now and within an understanding of what I've been trying to say about what's actually happening now and then with my pandemonium reports etc when i was looking into the messiah and all that and yeah it does all paint a bit of a grim picture i'm sorry about that but it's you know i've gone and educated myself on a load of these things over the past however many years like 10 years or something been reporting now for six so there's a load of things there and you know these conspiracy theorists and everything comes through that we seem to be saying so and this is another one I've all over my articles and into as far back as 2018. Is Brexit going to be used? Is Brexit being used as a cover story for a potential coming pandemic or maybe even a war? That's another thing we've potentially got to look forward to. War. Because out of regression, the, the best way for the banks to already start their little shitty economies is by war. That's been proved time and time and time and time again. And as well as that, why I think that they're going to have to drag us into the war at some stage is because they need to perform another controlled demolition. And it's also good for the reset because they then start taking all the kids out and moving all the kids around everywhere, don't they? Resetting history like that, raising people with new mindsets, etc. So that's what happens in World War Two, even. So I think that's going to... That's something that... Uh, I even read that on my very first articles about... COVID-19, so this, this this is like, just, got to end up in war, I sound like a doomsday merchant yeah, getting sick of listening to myself, but, again, that's just, I don't know, I think we've got to bring all of these elements into, into consideration, certainly into conversation, Um just based on, what we are actually seeing, and what we're living through, on a daily basis at the moment, all around the world, so, I won't go into any more spoilers concerning the Brave New World, I could sit here playing these little 5 or 6 minute videos for hours now, but I won't, I'll just get back to writing my article and editing the video, carrying on with that, filling all them little gaps in, Um, you'll find what you've just seen then will probably change, even maybe the look, the design of the video, this black, this, this, all this may change, I haven't decided yet, but she's got the basis in for now. And keep going with that. As I said, it's up to like 15 minutes, and I'm barely getting out of the intro. All of this is still in the intro. When I was just showing these four little elements, that's not just covered, that's a job. So I'm going to now go and write a load of stuff and then turn it into my script and do the voice notes and talk about it all throughout the video. I'm Gonna do a full narration one, um, which they always take forever doing the full narrations because in here I have to say all the words and then they have to chop all the little and and, and little noises out and everything and all that stuff when, when I talk in scouts. <laughs> so we had to chop a lot of that out so basically in that full narration what you just heard at the start and I lock onto the stupid mindless entertainment that is being displayed it does not last long with me that seems pretty seamless but I've actually chopped out in between more or less every word that I say in it. Talking for seven minutes. I've had to chop a load of these. and No, just little when you go to breathe when you speak and that. So yeah, that's just why that's so tedious. That's why I don't do as many narration, voiceover ones. Full full length narration. But this is going to be one of them. They're always the best vids that I do anyway. So I'll leave that there. This has been Enchanted Life Pat TV. Going to get back and do another little couple of hours before I go to bed because I am in absolutely warped, backward time zones that I just make up myself. (laughs) So yeah, I'm gonna go back into my editing. Thanks for watching.